everyone, and welcome to the Kaifcast. I'm Ross Williams, your host as always, and as always, I'm joined by Adam Hughes. How you doing, mate? How things? I'm good. Interesting week in rugby league for sure. What's new? <laughs> What's well, exactly. new? <laughs> off season, they say. Off season. There's never an off season. Never, yes. never at all moment. Um, oh. Thought we'd have a nice few weeks where just nothing happens and no announcements, nothing. Just chill out for a bit, but. Certainly not the case. It has been a very, very busy week in the world of rugby league. Uh, so a perfect time to do a podcast, really. Uh, as we're recording this on Thursday the 23rd, the Super League fixtures have been revealed this morning. Uh, so we'll get into that first and foremost. A couple of days ago, news broke where uh, around Magic Weekend, uh, which is a very, very... I'd say it's divisive. I'm not even sure it's a divisive topic, to be honest. No. But uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that afterwards as well. I've got some good thoughts on on Magic Weekend, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, we did decide we wanted to do a podcast that wasn't entirely cast-centric, we wanted to talk about a little bit more about rugby league generally, so we asked for a few questions, and uh, the majority of them, perhaps due to the recency bias, but came back, uh, speaking about the international game, about England, about the Samoa situation, all that kind of stuff, Um, so we'll get to that after we've talked about Castle's fixtures uh, in the second half of the podcast, so plenty to get stuck into, and we'll start with these fixtures, we now know that Castleford's uh, 2024 season will begin at home against the champions, against the Wigan Warriors on Saturday. I believe it's the 17th uh, February. It is 3 p.m. kickoff. Um, yeah, nice and easy start, Adam. Then, yeah, I mean, end of the day, we've got to play them at some point. Yeah, I mean, you get your Wigan. You go. Sort of, the, the thing with the fixture releases is everyone goes crazy at half past eight when it's released, and then you realise. It's the same every year, and you've got to play everyone. You've got to play 27 games, and, and that's the news, isn't it? Uh, the, the, there is no news. <laughs> that, is the, that is the real oh. crux of, of, a, of a fixture reveal. Everyone goes nuts, and then after 12 hours, everyone just kind of calms down. So we might have even missed the boat. We, we might have jumped the shark a little bit on this podcast, but yeah, we're going to own soft away. We play, yeah. loads, we play loads of teams. Here's what it is. Yeah, you play everybody, so there's no issue in it. It's uh, obviously Wigan will probably travel well, being their first up, first game of the year. So we'll probably get a bit of a boost in attendance from a travelling uh, Wigan support. And I'm sure Cast fans will be eager, eagerly awaiting to uh, wanting to see how this new look Cast team plays against sort of the big boys in a in a game that matters. Yeah, it's quite a test, Ilion. It's quite a test, Ilion. It's a good thing, I think. I don't think it's going to be affected by the World Cup challenge, is it? I think it's the no. round two game they've yeah. got, which might be. Because um, there was the possibility. I kind of looked at it straight away. I was like, ooh, for the second year in a row, are we going to get that kind of World Cup challenge hangover that wasn't really... I mean, to be fair, I think Saints were hungover and we were just not good enough to beat them. No. Um, <laughs> they weren't particularly good that day, were they? But um, I did wonder whether we'd get it two years in a row. Not quite. Um yeah, I think it's, it's it's a relatively exciting game. I think um, that I think we're gonna I think we're gonna be very 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 good this year. So it's an opportunity to see probably the best team in the league uh, up close and personal. Uh, I think certainly that forward pack is gonna be enormous, um, incredibly. So it's a heck of a test. And <laughs> I know we've talked about and Danny Wilson talked about on the podcast that they're gonna try and get three four preseason games uh, in before that a cast, and obviously they're not announced just yet. Although we think Keith is gonna be one of them. Um, yeah, we we certainly can't go in that kind of undercuts uh, as, as we have been the last few years into this one, that we've got to be absolutely firing week one, haven't we? Absolutely. And I think there is an appetite to have those pre-season friendlies against Super League opposition. I know yeah. last year 
we played Huddersfield and probably the worst thing ever was uh, the performances of Fanua and Farimo on that day. <laughs> Everybody thought, hey, oh, they've, they've come into 2023 really wanting to uh, prove something and then obviously the year went how it went. Um, but hopefully we'll get some of those Super League tests and, and no offence to the Championship, but you want to be tested to the highest level, especially in pre-season, get that sort of rust off and really get ready for that round one feature where you're going to be really, really tested. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we get to see some really good opposition in pre-season. But yeah, I hope so. Uh, it doesn't uh, get any easier with Salford the next week. Obviously, they've had a couple of it. They're having a couple of issues now. Just announced today that they've been um, kind of put on special measures by the mm-hmm. RFL over their uncertainties in the financial situation. At the moment, their squad's still looking good. Still looking like it can do a job, even with the people that they have lost in the off-season. Yeah, that's all for situations strange, isn't it? Obviously, we are, yeah. as you say, we've just had that announcement pretty much half an hour before we've started recording, not even half an hour. And um, I don't really know what special measures means. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like an Ofsted thing, isn't it? It's like yeah. high schools and the special measures and... Uh, <laughs> take over and bring in a new head teacher and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't really know what goes on uh, in this situation. One interesting part of it is apparently it doesn't have an impact on IMG grades, which is bizarre. Um, I'm not really sure how it can not, but it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, there will be a long-term impact on that regardless due to the finance aspect of the, the IMG grades, I, I would assume. Um, but yeah, one of those teams, I think they ranked eighth, were they? Um, so awful were pretty much just on the precipice of the grade A's. I think they're one of the highest yeah. grade B's. Um, I don't think that'll be the case next time they're graded. Uh, that's for sure. Um, Salford's a team in a really bad way, particularly with the amount of money they have actually raised in the last 12 months. So I, I was just talking to a friend of mine and we reckon between the uh, the crowd fund with Akers, with Croft and Tyler Dupree, that they've raised around six, 700 grand there. And yeah. clearly they've got nothing to show for it. I know there's obviously the ground issues and all that kind of stuff, but I mean... There's not many clubs in a good position financially, but that seems just a whole mess, doesn't it? Seems like they're really going through it, and there's it's a really questionable situation that I feel like they're not being honest with fans in what situation yeah. they are are in. Obviously, when they did the crowdfunding, they said that it wasn't to pay bills. It clearly they said, was. They said if they sold Tyler Dupree, it wouldn't be to like balance the books, and clearly it has been. Same again with Croft and Ackers. It's, it's, they're clearly having to sell to survive. Yeah. And But they, they keep consistently telling fans it's not that. And I think, as cast fans as well, we know, we've know we seen it firsthand. I mean, yeah. we sold Joe Weston for this very reason, didn't we, originally. Um, we, we've been in the situation with Dal Clark, it's probably the same thing. Like we, yeah. We've sold players in order because we were literally on his ass essentially mm. so we, we know how close to the fire they actually might be and the, the fact that the RFL had to step in and for whatever I don't, like I said I don't really know what happens when they do step in I don't know if is it literally just a black mark, black mark against their name mm. I mean the thing is I, I don't know how much money the RFL got, have got never mind no. I mean I, I don't think it's going to be a situation where they're just going to pump a few million in and save it I, I don't think they can Um, but I guess that always opens up the kind of worms in the sense that they bought Oddsall shouldn't have done that should they um, so I guess there is that precedent there so I don't know what the RFL's approach would be but either way yeah Salford are in in really bad nick and 
there's even little things resolved around the fact. I mean, it's now the twenty third November. It's it's a tiny thing, and it might just be planned, but like not released the kit yet, and just little things you just kind of expect a, t- like a team like that to be to be on with. And you just think, is everything just getting pushed back for a reason here? Is are they really really close to the fire? And I hope they're not. I hope Salford are absolutely fine, and I hope that yeah. everything everything is fine, and we we go. Uh, to the soft stadium in February on on that Sunday and beat them hopefully, but um, yeah. but they're in all, they're in all right nick as a club, but yeah, uh, a tricky one, uh, a tricky one for them. Um, so getting back to the fixtures then, so Wigan at home as we say, Salford away, kind of the big highlights really uh, of the fixture list would be first off a bit of a sad one uh, for many for many fans of I went myself this past year, Catalans mid March is an absolute stinker, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you've you've got to go at some point. You can't always have the nice summery months, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I know a lot a lot of fans will probably still go regardless. Yeah. I know it's always one that people circle on the calendar whenever fixtures are released, and they kind of book the little the week away in Lorette, and they go and enjoy themselves. Maybe have a little bit too much beer and and come back feeling a bit worse for wear. I'm just speaking from listening to your stories, Ross. To be fair, it's accurate. <laughs> but yeah it is one which I'm sure a lot of fans will go to regardless of whenever it is being mid-March I don't think that'll put it'll put some people off but not many I think it'll put I think it'll put a few off myself personally I, I think that the problem with it is because it's I mean it was it was April 1st I think this year so it was pretty early or, or very early April I forget exactly when it was the problem they've got is I think if you go to Perpignan and you stayed there I think there's not much difference, really. I, I think you'd be all right. I think there's not much difference between the two years. If you were to go to Lorette, which obviously probably half the cast fans do, if not more, I, I don't know how much is even open in March because obviously yeah. it's, it's, it's a touristy place and that's kind of the issue. When we went in April this year, some of the main bars and stuff, I mean, we were only just opening, just opened that week. Um, and we were probably the first set of fans that had actually, uh, the Queen Vic pub, for example, is probably the hub. Really, yeah, in Lorette and where a lot of the Rugby League fans congregate when they go over there. I'm sure fans of other clubs would do the same. I think we were the first set of fans this year to have actually been able to go there because it had not been open previously. So the fact it's uh, mid-March, I'll give you the exact date. 16th. Uh, it's the 16th, yeah. Um, it's not great for Lorette de Mar, uh, to be honest with you. Um, so I think those who go to Perpignan, that probably be the approach. And um, hopefully a few hundred go over there, but not not the best. Um on field though, I mean the weather's less of a factor. They have to yeah. deal with forty degrees potentially, so Hopefully. never know. Might get one of our very rare wins over there. Yeah, which would be nice. It's always nice picking up a few away wins this year. Will be quite interesting and and kind of vital to what we're wanting to do. Winning away, what's that? Exactly. <laughs> I'm Wakefield. Yeah, doesn't happen. Um, speaking of away days, uh, another one, uh, a new one to tick off in fact not the club but at least the ground uh, is London a much better day for that one to an mm. extent uh, mid-July for that one which on paper sounds very very nice indeed July 12th the problem with that is we are the only team in the entire competition who's going to play London away on a Friday night yeah <laughs> which it's is... an interesting one isn't it that, that for me is the one that's a bit of a question mark in terms of every other club's going down on a weekend with a Friday night. Yeah. I mean, thinking the, about that, you could hang, 
you can maybe have some hope in the sense that that is in the second half of the season and maybe that could change. Because as we know, I mean, these fixtures have come out and they've got dates and times next to them. Yeah. It never works out that way. No. Uh, it never works out the way. I, I do think the first half of the season might be about right uh, in terms of obviously how Sky are going to sort it out and in terms of this new streaming service that is apparently coming in the new year. Yeah. Um, but it did make a point in one of the statements I said today that after round 16, uh, it kind of goes back to Sky for them to kind of pick games and things like that again. So could be a little bit movement there, potentially. Um, particularly if they're having success on the other days, uh, but London playing games, which presumably is going to be Saturday and Sunday, I would guess, uh, if we're the only Friday game. So maybe that shifts, but I, I think a few will go down anyway. I, I'm seriously considering it going down for that Friday night. Um, obviously, they're playing down at AFC Wimbledon now at Plough Lane, something a bit different, a good little ground as well. Um, and hopefully, if we're playing quite well at that point, obviously, it's towards the back end of the year. Um, if we've got a little bit of form going, if we are playing, hopefully the exciting rugby we hope we can do, um, could be a nice little trip, and it's a good opportunity to probably make a weekend of it as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, that sort of weekend's the perfect one to um travel down. Kind of, you go watch the rugby on a, on Friday, probably spend Sunday uh, Saturday in London, come back Saturday night, Sunday morning, nice yeah. little weekend away. Yeah, exactly. Plus, as well, I mean, if the mid-March does put people off Catalans, myself included, uh, if I'm honest, save a bit of cash there, then you can get, use that money, I suppose, to go down to go down to London and, yeah, make the best of that, I suppose. So, with that priority in, in mind, uh, London away might not be too bad. Um, let's get to the kind of the core issue that people have with uh, the fixtures, or Cass's fixtures, certainly this nice. year then, uh, which is home games. Uh, and the fact that we have 10 Friday night games. Again, these are subject to change, I'm sure. Um, so it won't necessarily be the case. But at the moment, we've got 10 home Friday games. We've got two on a Thursday. We've got one Saturday game, which is the aforementioned uh, Wigan opener, and zero games on a Sunday. Um, naturally, because it happens every single year, people don't like that, or a bunch of people don't like that. Um, mainly the Sunday aspect and the fact there's no Sunday games. I, I'll speak on it first. I personally don't mind it, but it works better for my work pattern. <laughs> so I think it is a case by case basis. I think, I think I was telling you this morning there is only one home game this year. Looking at my work rotor and all that kind of stuff that I'm actually going to miss, and that's just because I've got a whole day in June. Beyond that, I can pretty much go to all of them because Friday nights don't affect me. Um, but I get it's not the same for everyone. Uh, what is your thoughts on the fact that we've gone? very heavily Friday and, uh, and no Sundays. I think whatever you do, you're going to have people that are upset because there's people that will obviously work or have other commitments on a Sunday that can't make it there as well. Uh, we're in a world now that we're, well, not everybody is Monday to Friday, nine to five. There's, a very, there's varying work patterns and shifts. So I feel like whatever you do, you're not going to please everybody. So you're going to have some people complaining. Um, the biggest complaint I've seen is people saying that it's not kid-friendly hmm. with the late nights. And to a degree, I sort of agree. But if you go down to a game on a Friday night, there is so many kids still there. Yeah. I think because it's the Friday night, and obviously if they are school kids, so much better than the Thursdays, they ain't got to get up for school in the morning. If they have a bit of a line on the Saturday, it's not no big drama, really. 
but there's still is tons of kids on a Friday night, so I don't see that being such an issue personally. Yeah, I I, I understand the principle what people are saying, and I well, I, I, I I'm speaking from an idea of I'm speaking from the privileged position of currently not having a child, so yeah. I mean, so maybe I'm not. I mean, I, maybe I'd be a little different if I was a parent. I don't know, but. Yeah, I I do agree with you to an extent. I, again, you're not going to you're not going to please everyone, as we said. No. I think Fridays are a, a damn sight better than Thursdays. We know that. Yeah. But there's only two Thursdays on there. He's good. Hopefully, not too many of them get shifted because we know that that can happen. Um, Friday is certainly better than that, as you say. It kind of takes the school dynamic out of it. Um, I I don't know. I mean, obviously, people have different parenting styles, and yeah. people don't want kids out after a certain hour, and that, that's that. That's fine. Personally, I remember going to an awful lot of Friday night games when I was a kid and it never really affected me. We talk about, I mean, even that dreaded kind of Wakefield game way back in the day. That was a Friday night, I'm pretty sure, and I was seven, eight, you know. like um, it, it, I don't think it's a huge, huge deal No. Uh, in, in terms of the, the kids' aspect. Would you get more on a Sunday at R3? Probably. probably. I, I, think, I think you probably would get a few more. But... It's that balancing act, isn't it? It's kind of that Friday night or Sunday afternoon, which it seems to be the, the big um, decision that the, that the club have to make every year. But personally, I think it's very telling that they make the decision every year and the decision is we'll play 10, 10 times on a Friday. I mean, that's yeah. clearly the club of benefit, aren't they? I feel like the switch in sort of the last six, seven years, probably even longer than that, is to move away from the Sunday R3. I feel like across the league, it's the appetite for a Sunday R three kickoff is very very minimal nowadays. Everybody wants those Friday nights, even potentially Saturdays. I know a lot of them is dictated by a lot for a lot of clubs. It's dictated by ground shares with uh, football yeah. clubs as well. Thinking sort of Wigan, Hull FC, Huddersfield. Certainly in terms of Saturday, Saturdays are a struggle aren't they, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and I know there's a. Some sort of arguments about how long before the games they're allowed to use the pitch for, and thankfully we're not in those discussions or in those have yeah. those sort of arguments. But yeah, it's I just feel like it's a very traditionalist view of rugby is a half three Sunday afternoon game. It's yeah. not anymore. It's moved past that so much. I mean, we did the math just before we start recording, didn't we? And uh, again, yeah, traditionally easy, I suppose. But then again, I also saw a tweet today, and I forget uh, who sent it in. Uh, I know he's a, a cast fan; has been going down Waldenrow for a very long time, and he, he made the point that although, yes, during the kind of eighties, nineties, and probably going to the noise a little bit, Cast did play a half free Sunday quite a lot. Uh, in the seventies, they played Friday night. Um, so it's a bit of a cycle, I guess. So we're now in a cycle where we are playing predominantly uh, Fridays. In recent years, and that's what you've got to base it on, it's a whole different league, it's a whole different sport to what it was even 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah we did the math beforehand, and we reckon since 2019, uh, so five seasons now, and this obviously includes the 2024 schedule as well, there has been seven uh, half-free Sunday kickoffs in five seasons. So to say we traditionally, today to say that's our slot, is it, it's not true, is it? No. <laughs> the club have clearly, and I know there's a Sky impact on this as well, but the club, for whatever reason it might be, and I'm not going to pretend to know, although I've got we've got theories on it, we can talk about the theories of why. Um, I don't know personally, but whatever whatever reason, the club have decided that Friday is the way. In the same way that Lee Drano's, I think almost all of their home games could be all of them, uh, Friday night. Yeah, I think Hull 
do try and play Saturday or Sunday if they can when Hull FC are not at home. So I think they try and sort their home fixtures on a, a alternating weeks uh, so they can play Saturday. Ultimately, it is at the discretion of the club. And I think it, we're in a situation now, we talk about the money in the game all the time. Every club has got to be doing it for a financial benefit. They have to be. I, I don't understand why. I think it'd be more practice if they weren't, to be honest. So in my opinion, I know there's other factors as well in terms of turnarounds and things like that. And obviously Sky, as I said, but I, I'd i love to hear the club, hear from the club on this, but I would imagine the reason we play Friday night is because we earn more money from it. It's got to be that, isn't it? It's got to be. You look at probably hospitality. I know I saw somebody comment about the hospitality and yes, it's not the greatest, but I bet it's fall on a Friday night with uh, businesses wanting, using it for sort of away days and kind of yeah. nights out for the staff. I bet the beer sales are monumentally larger on a Friday night than they are on a Sunday afternoon. Yep. That's a factor as well. Yep. So, and it's about trying to squeeze as much money, which I know some fans will hear that comment and think that we're saying that Cass are just uh, money grabbing. But essentially the need to maximise profits, especially going into this IMG era, yeah, where everything is scrutinised and all the finances are scrutinised and you need to make, need to make sure that you're making a profit, need to make sure that you're sort of financially sound. I mean, we're seeing it with Salford. They're probably going to have repercussions from this sort of thing. Yeah. As a club at like, Cass's size, and we know the issues around sort of investment, we're not we're not kind of asking for people to come and invest and we're not getting that money in. We're mm. having to do a lot of it ourselves and the club has been well run and we have been making profits without that outside investment. So we need to continue to do that and clearly the club has seen that playing on a Friday night is making that viable. Yeah, I saw some... I, I thought it interesting that some response was like they kind of didn't understand the Friday thing, and I think there was almost a reluctance from uh, some people on like Facebook, for example, of like, um, yeah, the, the Friday night thing being for money. I was like, well, in every other instance, the club are called <laughs> club are called tight and frugal and whatever, however you want to call it, but way worse words than that, I would imagine. Yeah. But like in every other instance, the club are saying, oh, they do everything uh, as cheap as possible and they try and save as much money as possible, but yeah. We started talking about Friday nights and they went, oh, it can't be that. Yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> I think of course it is. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I do think people understate uh, the importance of hospitality as well, even our yeah. hospitality, even our corporate, because yes, there's obviously the people who are literally paying for tables on a Friday night. And as you say, uh, going to the bar every two minutes and kind of topping all that kind of stuff up, obviously it's a more expensive ticket. Naturally, you're getting maybe 10 a table or eight a table, whatever it is as well. So you're getting four people through the door. But I think there's even wider elements of that as well. That's how you get your sponsors for the for the year, which is ultimately what's paying a lot of the uh, ultimately what's paying a lot of the bills. It's how you attract sponsors as well yeah. for the year after, exactly. and it's probably it's well we know it obviously it's written into the agreements of the sponsorships as well. Yeah, and you can probably get a bigger sponsor if you can say you you've got a table or whatever for ten Friday nights. Um, it's more lucrative, isn't it? So I think there's a number of elements why Friday nights from that point of view uh, are are chosen. And I think someone made the point as well that the crowds would be bigger on on Sunday, so would that kind of make the difference up? Maybe. Yeah, I think realistically Sunday could be a little bit bigger potentially in terms of crowds, depending on how we were playing and various things, but I don't think it'd be a drastic difference in the crowd. I think we did we did a bit of number crunching before we came on as well. 
wouldn't be a drastic difference, I don't think. And also, you're kind of taking a punt then, aren't you? You're taking a risk that you don't really need to take. If we're in a position where we're staying well solvent and we're making the money we need to for a gate receipts and hospitality on Friday, you kind of don't change that, I don't think. No, not all. And as you said, with number crunched, and it's maybe a couple hundred at max, but we also looked back at sort of last season and we saw a drastic drop off yeah. of attendances when we went on that losing run. Yeah. And then it slowly picked up sort of the Wakefield win had a big effect on the Hull FC home game that was sort of a couple of weeks later. Obviously, we needed to win that game, but you're not telling me that feel-good factor from the Wakefield win didn't pass over and people thought, we'll go to that game. Yeah, 100%. I don't think any manner of Sunday games would have stopped that decline of crowds oh, <laughs> in the middle of the year. I mean, I mean, there was times I didn't want to go, and I did, oh. but <laughs> I didn't want to go. But... I only went because I had a season ticket. Well, yeah. Most of the times, I'm like, well, I've paid for it, so... I mean, we can talk about season tickets in a little bit if you want, uh, about a, a local rival of ours, <laughs> a, club, a, a club near to our hearts in a way, uh, in Wakefield. Uh, <laughs> they've got some interesting uh, season ticket strategy, which I actually, mm. actually quite rate, to be fair. Yeah. We'll discuss that in a sec. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's the thing as well. You can also... That's just gone. Stay on season tickets. It makes sense. That's the thing. I mean, there's no drastic changes this year, ultimately. As much as it's an outcry of a year, I look to it. And I know these changed a little bit, obviously, due to Sky. But as I said, this season, we're going two on Thursday, 10 on Friday, one on Saturday. Last year, we announced two on Thursday, 10 on Friday, one on Sunday. So it's literally one difference. That's all it is for between 2024 uh, and 2023. And that Sunday game wasn't a half three anyway. Uh, because that was the first home game against Saints, which was a one o'clock kickoff, and that was due to Channel Four. Uh, where admittedly we did have a great crowd, but a number of factors uh, why that was the case. You could argue, if you're a little bit cynical, the reason why ultimately club wouldn't take the risk, wouldn't change it, which I, I agree they shouldn't do, is because we've got a quite a consistent level of season ticket holders who, as you say, regardless of the performance, are going to turn up. And I would suggest that cast forever. Uh, the membership scheme, the fact you can do a 12-month rolling mm. direct debit. And uh, as a member, I've realised you don't have to renew. You don't have to go through the site. If you're on there, that's it. Like It just continues taking the money. Yeah. Such a good idea when you have a bad season because they're already in. And yeah. some, I don't get me wrong. You, you've got the right to, to cancel your direct debit and not do it the following year. But I've been in enough kind of marketing talks and stuff at work to know that doesn't happen. <laughs> people generally, people, if you've got a direct debit, you generally keep it, don't you? It's a, the way that gyms have been run for many, many years. Yeah. I bet there's so many people listening now. I have got a gym membership that <laughs> they haven't been to the gym in donkeys <laughs> and they just can't be bothered to go and cancel it. <laughs> But that's how gyms have been run for many, many years. Gyms aren't made for all their members to go. No, for the opposite. <laughs> They've paid for about 1% of their members to go and just for 99% of them to just pay their money. Obviously, Cass aren't running that sort of system. They would absolutely love to have too many season ticket holders to actually 100%. have in the jungle. But one, it's, as you it's, say, it's a great scheme, though. It it's is a great really scheme good. to yeah. just be able to leave it and it just be sorted for me the the kind of 
bugbear of me with season tickets. You're having to go and give them the same details year yes. on year on year. This would this how way, hard a sell would have that been this year? Oh, trying to renew however many seasons for about three and a half, four thousand have we got season ticket holders? I I won't know the number off the top of my head, but it's got to be at least three. I would say I'd say three and a half. Probably, probably a little higher. Normally, yeah. where it sits around. Um, if all of them had to go and re-sign up, up this year, good luck. Yeah, good luck on that because that would have been a re- as you say a really tough sell. But I was suppo- I don't know how many people are up on the kind of cast forever stuff and are on that rolling membership. But it's definitely if it's half though. Of, I mean, if it's half of three and a half, then it's. Yeah, that that's it. I mean, if it's seventeen fifty, or let's, let's, even though it's quite fifteen hundred, yeah. Um, the fact that you're starting from a base of fifteen hundred is great, um, rather than zero, because yeah. you might have only got to fifteen hundred. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you'd have been asking people to actually turn up uh, and do it, so the facts, I think it's a it's a really really positive thing for the club, and obviously it continues to it gets money in uh, twelve months a year as well, which is obviously absolutely massive. And it, like I say, it probably does mean that the club don't have to take drastic risks in terms of kind of getting crowds in because there's going to be a consistent level, which I, I know this whole talk, it, we sound like customers rather than fans. And I get that, but it, the club has to run like a business to some degree. And uh, we are customers ultimately. And it's just a good scheme and uh, pretty well priced, I would say as well, uh, at the current price you, you pay. Um, yeah. Speaking of season tickets, very quickly then before we get on to magic weekend, well, uh, get on to but we'll, just, we'll discuss, we'll, we're going to give Wakefield some praise or I am a little bit. I'm praise. gonna give Wakefield some praise. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think 150 pound season ticket is very, very good. Yep. Even the championship, it is good. Um, there's a lot of positivity coming out of them. Very, very yep. good. And they announced a figure. I think the most recent figure was about 4,300 or something like that in terms of season tickets sold. Yep, for 250. For 250, yeah. Season tickets sold a day ago, which. Let all of us as cast fans, because this is what we do, and yeah, but how many of them are the free ones? Because <laughs> that's what we do, isn't it? Um, yeah, I know their their attendance were obviously lower and because of the stand being shut last year, but their top attendance was obviously a couple of sellouts at 4,710. Yeah. So 4,250 season ticket. The thing is, I, I, I did tweet on the Codecast account and kind of, I was I was nice about it, but I I was genuinely curious because I, I wanted to see the number of full on paying adult customers there mm-hmm. uh, within that kind of forty fifty. Obviously, we don't know that, and they're not going to let that let that go. But for anyone who's unaware, Wakefield's scheme at the minute uh, is you get two free junior tickets with your adult ticket, um, or you can opt in. Sorry, you can opt in to get yeah. those, um, which does mean the number is the number of junior tickets within the forty fifty is probably a bit lower than I thought. To be fair, yeah. um. I've got to praise them. I, I, I do have to praise them because I think it's actually a very, very good thing. Uh, the fact that this idea of free tickets, Huddersfield got quite got slammed for it, or they have done in recent years. Forget Huddersfield have been, yeah, they've been really rattled for it in terms of kind of giving away too many free tickets and things like that. Well, I say too many, they still can't get anyone around. They've tried everything. I've never really done, I've never really. Well, it's true. I've never, I've, I've never really been against the free ticket thing. To be honest, I think it's good. I think it might be the only way you you really. Look, it's bottom of the barrel, but sometimes that's where you've just got to be, isn't it? Because that's where the game is. I think the fact they potentially put in fifteen hundred, maybe two thousand tickets into the hands of kids and therefore parents, it's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I, I don't see an issue with it. 
uh, at all. It's it's trying to encourage new fans to come to the game. Is is what I see it as. It's a low cost way of getting a fan in for a full season for no no real objection or no real loss to yourself. Um, yeah. and if you can get them in a young, obviously you say you drag along the parents or buy a ticket or buy a season ticket themselves. You'll be you'll have kids begging for shirts and merch and all sorts. Kid, parents will probably buy a beer or two every game day, and it kind of starts totting up. And I feel like Wakefield have done it at a perfect time where there is that kind of reset to the club. Obviously, well, new they've owners. Done it, they've done it at the time they can afford it because he's willing to yeah. put the money in right now. And yeah. That's the thing. He's got to foot the bill for this, which yeah. is, again, fair enough. But it's new owners, new coach, new team, basically, because they're yeah. starting that from nothing and, and really recruiting well. Um, You're going to be able to do it in a season where you're going to win a lot of games. So everybody's going to be happy because they're winning. Mm. It's the perfect time to try this and try and get a load more fans on side. Where over the last sort of four or five years where they've just been getting tonked and, and barely escaping relegation for for probably what, last four seasons? Yeah. Luckily, they've had somebody who's been worse than them. Yeah. Which I'm sure Wakey fans wouldn't mind me saying and probably it's, agree with me. It's true, isn't it? Because it's true. The truth, unfortunately. Um, I mean, we were we were in a similar situation this year. It's probably we've only stayed up because Wakefield were worse, mm. and I'm sure Cast fans will agree. Percent. But being able to have that reset and do this, great idea. And I feel like their social media has gone up a stage. Was, yeah. It's looking really good. They've got a lot of content on there and a lot of really nice looking graphics and videos. So I feel like that that's a club that is really coming up. I agree, and I think I think they're a good case study. It's going to be to see how it goes because yeah. hopefully we're not going to be in the same boat as them because obviously we well, we're not going to drop down division and come back up in that way. It's literally impossible now. Yeah. Um, certainly in that in that instance. Um, but touch wood, and we're not going to talk about stadium. We'll do in January. We'll see because there's a there's a meeting, and we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But if we are in a situation in two years' time where we're opening a new stand or mm. something like that or even just the redevelopment that would be our opportunity to do something like this and be a very very positive on social and really kind of go after it so it will be interesting to see um how successful Wakefield are with this and I think what they've done really well is again because the numbers are skewed a little bit on the season tickets well, but... they just are so it's easy to look at that and go wow they're probably going to get 5,000 these tickets by those things if not more and they mm. go oh my god they've, they've attracted so many new new fans they probably haven't yet, but what they've done, which I think is commendable, is they've really, really engaged their core audience, mm-hmm. which yeah. a lot of clubs can't say they've got at the minute. Um, even 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 your top end, like there was some Paul Wigan crowds last year and things like that. I think Leeds were all right last year, to be fair, and the whole KR are probably a good example at the minute. But what Wakefield have done, despite going down, is their their core because they're they're similar to us in a sense, probably a little bit smaller, but. They will have a call of kind of 1,500, 2,000 who no matter what, they'll yeah, be there. They've got them really infused and really kind of in- engaged in it. And I think that's important. And that's ultimately what these season ticket sales are, I think. I think it's kind of two, two and a half, maybe three thousand people who are very, very engaged. But they were probably going to go to the games anyway, yeah. or most of them. So what's going to be interesting with Wakefield is how much the actual crowd goes up. 
uh, on top of that number. Can yes. they get to kind of six, seven thousand? Can they get to eight, nine thousand? Um, if they could do that, unbelievable because they're probably some championship records in terms of attendances. But I think the proof will be in the pudding there. Um, and rivalry aside and all that, genuinely hope it works for them. Um, certainly that kind of short term thing because I think it's good for everyone. While we're on it, Wakefield have literally just tweeted out four and a half thousand. Slowing down a bit, though, isn't it? The rate's slowing down a little bit. <laughs> but they've done that apparently in nine days. It is very impressive. Yeah. It, like I say, regardless of who they are, regardless of how many kids, regardless of whatever, that's four and a half thousand people who've got a ticket in their hands for week one. So yeah. it's a matter of how many actually turn up, but more importantly, how many turn to the second one. Yeah. Uh, I think so they've got to give them something to... Because that's, that's the thing. Cause they're they're going to win all the games, pretty much. At home. It's do. just, if they play... I'm not going to name a team in, in, in. I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone, but like, if they then beat them ninety nil, <laughs> how many people turn at week two? Some will. Some people love that. Others might not. So, yeah. interesting to see how they kind of react to that. Um, but yeah, genuinely, uh, fair play to Wakefield. As long as he's very much willing to foot the bill and not put them in a hole afterwards. Credit to Matthew Ellis as well. I think and, uh, he's a good example of people we probably need in rugby league at the minute. Mm-hmm. And I hope he's all uh, he, he sets out to be. Right then, magic weekend, not so magic weekend, whatever no. you want to call it. Um, we will play Huddersfield. That wasn't a surprise. That wasn't a surprise of the release because that would been revealed um, pretty quietly. But that's just the way it works now. Um, you play some. I, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's based on league position the previous year. Yes. So we knew we were going to play Huddersfield. Uh, we had the final game of the weekend on the Sunday, which is great. Um, <laughs> And we're playing at Ellen Road. Mm, yes. What was your? I mean, it kind of got what well, did get leaked, didn't it? It got leaked it uh, Monday uh, ahead of the Tuesday release. What was your initial thought? Why? Initial. The first initial reaction. Like, why? Why leads? It's slap bang in the middle of, of the city where you've probably got your you well, you have got your most successful club. Yep. It's not a growth area, which is what I understood Magic Weekend was kind of conceived for, to grow the sport in these areas that haven't kind of got a huge presence at the moment. Yep. Um, Ellen Road is not exactly the greatest stadium in terms of location nope. within the city. So it's not in the city centre. It's in Beeston. It's... Exactly. So facilities wise, around it, I think there's a nice McDonald's across the road. <laughs> I think is I think I there's, a, there's a subway. I think yes, there is. There is. There's a subway. Yes, um, I think there's a police station somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, not million miles. Yeah, there we go. So um, yeah, so you can have a Mackey's, can have a subway, and then a, a night in cells if you if you fancy. Um, so it 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 begged a few questions, and then you obviously start thinking about well. And I know you've got it down as a note for us to go on. IMG are really not fans of this concept, are they? No. No. Um, my initial reaction, Ellen Road, was it's cheap. Yep. <laughs> because that's what it is. It's yep. cheap and it's easy. And it's just what the RFL could do without having to put much thought into it because I don't think much thought has been put onto it on purpose, to be honest. I, 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 I There's a Genuine train of thought that it's it's been purposely diminished this year, 
which yeah. is just it, it's pathetic. It is what it is. It is is genuinely petty and pathetic that the game is at this spot. But we've got this just tug of war with the game at the minute, which doesn't work. And it's not just on Magic Weekend; it's on a number of issues. But Magic Weekend is probably the most one you can kind of literally reach hold and grab, mm-hmm. um, because it's been documented in the last few months. I mean, IMG went in one of their official, uh, initial kind of um, presentations said that uh, they wanted an event. They do want an event mid-season. Uh, this kind of thing. Uh, they want an event they can kind of really put the stamp on and sell. But they didn't like the Magic Weekend concept. And it was going to they'd rather do something else. And we had a we had a question on Facebook actually about uh, with quite a long question. I forget the guy's name, so I will uh, just chase that up while I'm speaking. But um, maybe maybe it's sevens, maybe it's nines, uh, or just something different. They they're not into Magic Weekend at all. Whereas the clubs turn around and went, oh, we actually really like Magic Weekend. Yeah. The problem is there's no one in between them making a decision. No, <laughs> really, no. it's just no. I don't really know where the power is. I don't know who. It, it, it's, it feels like the game needs a dictator, really. Who is in, someone who, is just going to come in and say, take one or the other. Who is in charge? No idea. Who is in charge of this sport at the moment? I think as far as I know, everything, every major decision, really, uh, that impacts the whole game, including our IMG grading appeal thing, which I'm not even going to get into, oh. it just annoys me. It all goes to some kind of council meeting. Yeah. But it was it needs a vote. And it's like, because there's no money in the game, because there's every single club is scrambling, because everyone's just trying to get their piece of the pie. It's been the same for 20, 30 years. You're never going to get any kind of progressive progressive movement when that's the case, when you've got completely contrasting ideas. So you've now got a situation this year with Magic Weekend where, like I say, IMG, the people who have been tasked with pushing the game forward over the next 12 years, uh, a company that's supposedly full of ideas and full of innovation and all that kind of stuff, have said, no, it's rubbish, we don't want it. Mm-hmm. Clubs have gone, no, 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 we do. So the RFL and the RL commercial who were tasked with actually putting this event together just went, well, we'll do Magic Weekend, but we're not spending money on it. <laughs> why? Because <laughs> why would we? And I kind of get it from their point of view. I must admit, RL commercial, as much as they're getting absolutely pelted this week because it is, you know, it, it's completely unimaginative and it's a lot of people will be turned off it. I do have a degree of sympathy with the people in the middle because they're like, what What are they supposed to do? I, I don't know what they, what they can do. Um all I would suggest is this will be the last Magic Weekend, wouldn't it? Because IMG will get their way because it's it's not going to look great, particularly on the Sunday. I think the Saturday will be all right. Um, but it's not going to be the spectacle. I don't think fans are going to particularly enjoy it. So even then, the clubs won't have really a leg to stand on to kind of push back, will they? Not really. It's half-assed is the phrase I came up with Yeah, when describing it some somebody it just seems like as you say RL commercial and RFL are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place between two entities that are at opposition IMG have been brought in a, to really try and revolutionize the sport to try and push it forward to make it a marketable product sort of in the next 10 15 years that we can go forward and really develop with I don't know how many years are we into that twelve-year IMG agreement now? Is it just believe one? it or not? I think it's only one. Is it just one? Technically, yeah. I think because it's been talked about for so long. Yeah. It's kind of wishy-washy when they started. It seems like they've been here five years, doesn't it? But yeah. I think uh, that initial presentation I talked about when I first spoke at Magic Week, and I tried to find that on Google the other day. 
Yeah. And it was only 2022. It was only wow. last year they actually said it. I was like, oh, wow. I, I mean, there's a separate point on IMG, which I wanted to bring up in the sense that it's been revealed this week that they're actually on retained from the RFL for the 450 grand a year, I think. Yeah. Which I wasn't aware of. Yeah, <laughs> and, and bear in mind, the whole point of this is they're going to get some kind of profit share at the end of it after the 12 years. The fact we're giving them quick maths, not just shy of six million in that time. <laughs> Don't love that. No, not really. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. Particularly, but again, it, it begs the question, what is the point giving them money when you're not going to go with their idea anyway? No. <laughs> it's that, when, you, it? when you're going to sit there and question everything they do and, and turn down ideas and... Yeah, and, and they're not perfect. I mean, we, we no. Just, I mean, we obviously sat down with Mark and I think it was actually the last kind of proper podcast episode, I guess. So obviously we've been doing my 13 uh, yeah. in the meantime. Uh, obviously we spoke for an hour after we, uh, after we spoke to Mark Grant and um, we, we held IMG over the fire. They're, they're certainly not, they're certainly not perfect, but oh. yeah. I mean, from, from the game's perspective, if you're going to pay them money, then... <laughs> there's just no point, is there? Back them. Cause I think this has been the issue for far too long with the sport is, when we split split away from the RFL and went to Super League and gave control entirely to the clubs to decide between themselves what they wanted to do, yeah. obviously there's louder voices in that room than mm-hmm. some, which yeah. naturally happens in any group situation when you're having a conversation or a meeting or anything. And it's probably been dictated by a, a few names and you can probably make the summation for yourself because... There'd be no shock that Amy McManus, Ian Lennigan, Gary Everton, and normally it's the, it's the three that I thought. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, and but, everybody but, probably uh, listening yeah. thought. Yeah. And yeah. normally it's Gary versus the other two, from what brief things I've heard. Mm. But giving the power to the clubs and these this mentality of just trying to survive is not progressive. Yeah, it's not going to move the sport forward because they're just going to do what needs to be done to kind of wipe the faces with it and not have to be shelling millions of pounds every year. It's that tough one though, isn't it? It's what we discussed. I completely agree, but that's where the situation's just wrong for what we're trying to do at the yeah. minute. Where you, it's completely right. We that's need to have that long-term thinking. They need to just really just kind of bow down to whatever IMG want. Really, yeah. yes, that will work long-term, but well, in theory, it work long-term. But as we said on the, on the previous pod, the fact there was no initial investment with this kind of dawning of IMG, and the fact that no, not even that four hundred fifty grand is going the other way. Never yeah. mind. Money's, never, I mean, we even made the point that IMG really should be coming with X amount of million to really make this work to kind yeah. of speculate to accumulate. Going the other, it's going the other way. So again, the clubs are being asked to do all these kind of changes, yeah. which are all good, all positive. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but they'll be obviously being judged on that. And if you don't make these changes, you're getting degraded and you know, you're know going to lose out on millions of quid. Then there's the stuff like this and they're being asked to get rid of Magic Weekend, which I understand my MG's point of view. I really do. I mean, let's be honest, the fact it's been here for 15 years and we, we, have, we haven't sold a ground out. We, no. we haven't. And we we should have, really. Let's, let's be honest. We should have we should have made a... As fans, probably, we should have made more of an effort. I don't know, but... You can never blame the fans in, in any kind of business. You can never blame the customer. You've got to blame the market department. You've got to blame... I can blame a few other people rather than fans. Yeah, exactly. So Definitely. It's, 
So it's not been... To say that Madrigan hasn't been a success is true, but it's not completely true, uh, I think. So I think ING are within their rights to do that. But yeah, at the same time, clubs make money off it. And fans are excited about it. And it's a driver of season ticket sales because you get half you get half price. And yeah. there's so many different factors. And without that initial money that came into the game a year ago, two years ago, um, you know, you never want to have the begging ball out, but we we need to. It's as simple as that. We're in a situation where we need that injection of cash or we're in really, really serious trouble. Um, so as much as I completely get it, particularly from championship clubs, I get I guess a lot from championship fans. Sorry, when they're aiming at your Lennigans and McManus and saying, oh, it's ridiculous. But it's where it is. Uh, it's where it is. The club has to survive because the clubs have to survive. They've got to operate yeah. as a business first um, because we're not the UFC. No. We're not the NFL, which I would say are probably the right now in sport. You can't throw the Premier League in there because everything's going on with the Prem. So I think you'd probably say the UFC and NFL are maybe the two best performing kind of sport franchises up there. They're well, well up there anyway. And obviously US, um, UFC are directly involved with IMG. Yeah. yeah. Lots of money coming in initially, obviously. Clearly they're on a different spectrum to us uh, in terms of fan base. One interesting thing about the UFC and IMG, uh, UFC and NFL, though, which after you know very well, as someone who watches both sports or has done, they've both got a leader yep. as well, which we don't have. Got Dana White at the UFC, who was the one who brought IMG in with loads of money because they bought it. <laughs> it wasn't just come in and give us a few ideas, it was yeah. come and buy it. But I'll make he went, I'll make the decisions, you can trust me, but just give me loads of money. Yeah. And then the UFC, you've got a commission, Roger Goodell, who ultimately has final say and everything. Mm-hmm. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? You've got these big figureheads that are always in the public eye as well. Whenever yeah. anything goes on any controversy, they're the face you see. They're the name you see on the press release. It comes from them. It doesn't come from the RFL. Yeah. RL commercial. No name attached to it. It comes from that one guy. You know his face. You know his voice. It's quite transparent whenever any decision is made. It's transparent when any sort of conversations go on about potential changes, any issues, rule changes, which I know... Um, seen today some rule changes that I've looked at and gone. I thought that were brought in three years ago about having, <laughs> the one about having to actually make a play at the ball at the play of the ball. I'm sure I've seen that for the last three years. It doesn't change. I mean, it's just the rule, isn't it? <laughs> I think all, all we're going to get with those rule changes is, yeah, I think it is positive, but it's like. It just means, it, to be honest, it, it feels like more of a dig at the referees, to be honest, than yeah. the actual clubs. Because I'm just thinking, oh, they're just reinforcing that actually you should like penalise flops every so often, yeah. you know, because yeah. you should not be doing... And play the ball <laughs> so, properly, stand up and play the ball. Yeah, it makes the point that Christian Wolf probably had a point <laughs> in, that first, in that first test against uh, against Tonga, which we'll get into in a bit. God. But, yeah, it's... Having that figurehead and that's kind of notable leader yeah, really does give fans somebody to sort of trust as well. And I yeah. feel like that's what's happened with, in rugby league is there is no trust from the fans in the RFL yeah. IMG because I feel like a lot of it's been done in the shadows. I completely agree. I mean, 
One thing I would say, I mean, he's not the figurehead and shouldn't be because he's not, he's not in that role, but uh, Robert Hicks went on 4020 Live on Monday. Mm. Uh, I listened to an issue of the stream. I think the stream cut out, so I caught it the next morning. And uh, now I, I, I tweeted on, on the Coivecast around um, a, a little kind of tidbit about our appeal process and things like that. But generally, it was a really good chat uh, for like an hour and 10, I think it was. I and mean, we learned loads about what's going on behind the scenes at RFL and the kind of direction, things like that. But should that be coming from... A former referee slash head of legal who's just going on a podcast like that. Really, should that should we not know a lot of this already? Like, and I, I completely can't fault Robert uh, Hicks at all. I thought your point was great, but it's just he's not the figurehead really. But he comes across like he should be, to be honest. But like you, you Tony, so I think it's Tony Sutton and Rodri yeah. Jones, isn't it? Who are the two main men really? I mean, they could pass me in the street if I'm <laughs> if I'm being brutally honest. And it's just you, you just don't see. Yeah, just, just decisiveness and just, tr- uh, yeah, trust is huge. I, I think you're right. I think there's no trust. Even in the UFC, for example, Dana White is an incredibly polarising figure. Not everyone likes him. No. A lot of UFC fans don't like him, but they trust he's got the best intentions of the UFC in mind, always. Oh. Everything he does is for the company. Mm. And some of it's appalling, but it's what he does for the brand and you kind of have to respect that and everyone does respect that and that's why he's so successful. We, there's nowhere near an equivalent for us, I don't think. No, no. And I mean, we'll go back to sort of the trust and Robic's thing just for a second and Cass's appeal is a perfect example of this. Yeah. We heard there'd be appeal. They put out a statement with the gradings. Um, appeal would be heard. You'll hear something, I believe it said, did it give a time frame? It it didn't, but funnily enough, um, I think this was from Tony Sutton as well, I think. He was a, the literal CEO. So if anyone's going to be the figurehead, it should be him. Should be. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so don't take this as gospel, but he said along the lines of, this should be something we get on top of sooner rather than later, just so mm-hmm. it doesn't take away from what they had regarded as a, as a success with the grading. So like that was literally the day after saying, actually, we'll, we'll try and wrap this up pretty quick. And it's been a month. And like I think we've said in the podcast before, it's not that important, really. In the grand scheme of things, everyone's going to get regraded. Da-da-da, it's fine. A little kind of just correction would be all right, just to just to kind of appease some of the cast fans as well who were really turned off that morning because of misinformation and all that kind of stuff. From, from the club as well, fair enough, as we said. Yeah. It's, it's not the fact that it's a massive, massive thing. It's the fact they said they'd do it. They said, and they haven't. They said they'd do it. But we've heard nothing about the process. And there's been clamourings from fans all over social media asking at the RFL, at Super League, at whoever they can get to, basically. There's a listener, I believe he's called Matt, I apologise, I've spoke to you a couple of times, he's literally doing a day-by-day tracker at the which I've quite enjoyed. But if they'd have come out, say, the week after, saying the process on Castleford's Appeals going on, it needs to go to a board committee, Yeah, the meeting is x date we'll have more information after that should i have had to have found that out via robert x on a podcast which a month after what, the appeal went in yeah which i happen to be listening to yeah i mean i know it's got a decent listenership for it to live and obviously it's a good one but still and it, and he only answered that question because it was a, a viewer question i think exactly so it's like yeah like until until he'd come on and said that there's just nothing official nothing no statement no, it's just it, it's yes it is a little thing but little things they pile up, don't they? Little things yeah. pile up and become a big thing. And I'm just saying that that one statement that's maybe what four paragraphs, if yeah. that. Yeah. 
literally, and would have taken anybody that can write a press release 10, 15 minutes to write and send to somebody, just say, can I bob this on, just so people know, would yeah. have stopped a lot of this bad kind of feeling around it. And we'd have been sat waiting for it rather yeah. than people going, when is it going to happen? Yeah, it could have been nipped in the bud really, yeah. really quickly. I think. So easy. Something, something that really could have been nothing has just snowballed. And that's yeah. um, that's a shame. And do they care that it's just a minority cast fans kicking off? And no, Twitter? they don't. Not. They don't care. But like I say, it's it's one thing, but it means something else will happen about a different club and then another one. And it, it just snowballs, as you say. And into, it's not just this issue, but it'd be wider issues because if they're taking this for granted like they are, who knows? Um, let's do a whole podcast one day on the RFL. <laughs> it's an oh. to get into. Uh, that was the magic weekend chat, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really went does. Went off on a tangent. Yeah, it, it has to, doesn't it, sometimes? We've talked about all sorts there, but ultimately, magic weekend, um, half-assed is the way you called it, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think that's absolutely right. It's a half-assed concept at this point. The fact that playing at Ellen Road is just, it's just cheap. It's just, it's ticking a box, I think, really. It's ticking a box for the, for the clubs that, yes, we've got a magic weekend. No, we're not trying hard for it. Um, and I think it'd be the death knell. I think it'd be the last one. And then in 2025, there'll be there'll be just something else. And hopefully then they go with whatever IMG say. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's another example, I think, of just... We're just kind of on autopilot for 2024, I think, is what it kind of feels like. I mean, there's talk about a rebrand and stuff for 2025. As we've discussed, we need to do that. Absolutely. But it just feels like... It feels like the, the, the sport's just in a place until February 2025. And then... Yeah. We'll see where it goes. That's when we start again, basically. Yeah. It's, it's February 2025 once we've got this new grading system where we, we, we look at promotion relegations based on how well you are run, the facilities you are. Obviously, performances do come into that, but yeah. not as much I... as maybe some fans would like. Mm. And probably us being one of them, yeah. or a pair of those. But what will be interesting for me, uh, just the last point on Magic... Is, is how much marketing we will put into this weekend. Because I feel like the last couple of years has been a bit of a, again, half-assed effort in the has marketing. It, I mean, really, has it ever been marketed properly? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, again, we, can, we, could, we can do an hour on the RFL's marketing strategy because, well, we can probably do an hour on it, but it's non-existent, so we'll be doing a lot of waffling about it. What are we doing? What are we, we going to try and push this get push this weekend? I can't I see mean, it myself. I mean, one thing that just final point on this, and in terms of the market of it, it is it just shows how it was just a hit box, in my opinion. They've released it on Tuesday. It was clearly planned to be Tuesday. Yeah. Um, the fact that some journalists just leak it on a, on a Friday is you know, on a Monday is hilarious. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to name the journalist, but we all know it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just it just. He just says it just in conversation, which is brilliant, <laughs> as if he's not been told or heard it. <laughs> but um, regardless, um, but clearly there was a plan. It was always going to be planned to be released on Tuesday. But it's literally just a social post and yeah. maybe a slight press release. There's, there's, there's no press conference. That, that, that's You should have a media event. You should have the captains of all 12 teams there. And, and I, this absolutely blew my mind when I realised... If you want to go to Magic Weekend next year, Adam, um, I'll tell you where to buy tickets from, but you can't yet. <laughs> tickets are not currently on sale. Are you serious? I haven't even spotted that. Tickets aren't on sale. Tickets weren't on sale on Tuesday. I still been... think they're not on sale. It cast put a statement out that or uh, an advert that day because obviously it's tied into the membership. And the way Cass had to word it was 
if you get a membership, 50% off Magic Weekend tickets when they go on sale. Tickets are not on sale currently. I don't think the time of the games are released yet. We know with the third game, I, I don't know actually when. And it, it, it boggles the mind, doesn't it? It absolutely boggles the mind. And this is a professional sport, apparently. Supposedly, yeah. That um, wants supposedly. to continue being a prof- professional sport. This... Shall we move, shall, shall we move on, on to England? <laughs> Please, come on, because we'll we'll slam that as well. We'll slam International I mean, Rugby League as well, because that's been an absolute farce this winter as well. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if anyone from the RFL or Royal Commercial listens to this. It won't be I hope they are listening, because they deserve it. <laughs> but genuinely, we didn't know we'd go on this kind of tangent, but the next thing on our agenda is genuinely in front of me. Uh, it's written, Samoa bailed on England, what should be done? Um <laughs> because I mean how farcical is that more farcical maybe even than Magic Weekend tickets not being on sale yet and not knowing exactly when the games are being played Um, we were of the belief for the last six months that following what was going to be a successful or unsuccessful whichever way you view it at least a three match test series against Tonga uh, this autumn I went to the final game enjoyed myself thought it was a good game to be fair thought it was a good final test uh, and decent atmosphere as well but we'll get on to how it could have been better We've been under the assumption that uh, the Samoans are coming over in 2024, oh, which makes perfect sense because how the World Cup semi-final went, there's, there's there's narratives you can draw from that, there's a redemption angle, the fact that they beat us in Golden Point, all that kind of stuff. Perfect sense. First time Samoa will be coming over for a test series, much like Tonga. Perfect. Absolutely great. We find out a few days after uh, whitewashing the Tongans, uh, in a okay, not not the greatest series of all time in terms of quality. Let's be fair, but still a test series win. Did it a fifteen thousand in Headingley, good atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. A little bit of little bit of nice feeling. England are back. Did it a uh, yeah. Samoa wasn't happening. Samoa aren't coming. <laughs> and it's just how is that not locked in? How is that even possible? How is it even possible that the Samoan team, with everyone in the world knowing that the plan is for them to come to England? They can take one look at the Pacific Cup, and I understand why they're doing. Oh, hundred percent. They can t- take one look at the Pacific Cup over. Well, we'll just go in that instead because that's better. They shouldn't have the option, should they? Why they they should have been locked in legally. We, we should have known venues. We should have known times. We should have been able to buy tickets for it. I, I, I can't believe it, and I can't believe we're in a situation now. I think Aaron Bauer posted earlier on uh, a story about this, and bear in mind it's the twenty third of November now. Um, that the RFL are commercial and meeting with the international board um, to discuss what happens next and what, what how England, where England play next year, which means that discussion hasn't even happened yet. It no. means they're about to discuss. I mean, bothered. what what are we doing? What are we doing? Your question, your question on this sheet, just for everybody that knows, Ross very kindly puts together a bit of a sheet sometimes with agenda points, and it's Samoa bailed. What should be done? Really, it should be saying what should have been done. Yes, yes. Because, as you say, should have been tied in. They've announced it constantly, and it was kind of the assumption. So, why are they talking I about think it? I Sean Wayne was asked about it in press conferences and kind of said as if it was happening, yeah. Why are they talking about it if it's not guaranteed? Why? And I thought last year they kind of put together a calendar. Mm. of to tr- yeah. And this was kind of in my eyes of their decision to really put an emphasis on International Rugby League. Yeah, from the like off last off season, they talked about a, a European Cup, I believe. Yeah, that's not happening. That's not happened. 
We talked about, obviously, Tonga. That did happen, thankfully. Otherwise, we'd have had no international rugby league over here at all. S Samoa coming over next year. Us going down under the year after, I believe. Can you be confident that's going to happen? And then the World Cup, I believe, if I'm yeah. not wrong. 2026, yeah. So, Which doesn't have a host nation yet, by the way. Yes, <laughs> another point. But that's not the NFL's fault, that's, no, that's the international board's fault. But, yeah. France. So, to announce that as a, all right, maybe a unconfirmed, but this is our plans. Well, to, I, guess, I guess their argument would be they never officially put anything out, but to let the the press knew, like the press people, knew it was happening, yeah. people talked, to, to have not dismissed it straight away, it is enough, isn't it? Journals aren't just making that up. No. There's some sort of information being passed over, clearly. What? What the hell? It's just another failing of International Rugby League and just RFL, whoever makes the, the decisions on that again. Because now we're stuck in limbo where again. we're going to play France in a mid-season international, right? Great. We'll tonk them 18-0 and nobody will care about the game. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Bauer did mention today again. apparently that game might be away, so it being perfectly young or to lose, something like that, which is fair enough. That's which ma It makes fine. more sense than having it over here. We'll play France at home this year. It makes more but sense. But that means... Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that's fine. However, that would mean currently... I mean, you're now in a situation where if you can't sort something for next autumn, which is the... Uh, I mean, it's, it's the situation we're in. Yeah. And getting high-level competition over here next autumn now is going to be nigh on impossible. Yeah. You're now going to be in a situation where the, the legacy of the Tonga series and... Let's be fair, the legacy of the World Cup previously, so it's only a year ago. Yep. That was that was being played pretty much a year ago now. The legacy of that is the final game England will play on home soil is gonna have been two weeks ago in Henningley. Yeah. There's nothing next autumn. Mm. There's nothing mid season against France. Uh, well there is, but it's gonna be in France. Mm -hmm. So you're not gonna get home international for potentially three or four years. No, it'll be after <laughs> is what is what the genuine against proper opposition, that's what they're saying. I mean yeah. what? I mean, what are we talking? You might not get a home international until 2027. That's crazy. <laughs> like, what? And it's... People might just turn around and say... Obviously, a big, argue, a big issue around this has obviously come from the success of the Pacific Cup. Yeah. And obviously, how well that's gone. And interestingly, how well Australia have bought into that. Mm. Which... Yeah. Over the past few years, Australia have been seen as the kind of sticking point in international rugby league. Yeah, um, not wanting to travel, not wanting to come over for like Tri Nations or Four Nations series, which rightly so because fair enough, it's a long way to come for these big superstars that want to enjoy the break. Um, they'd normally just come and win everything anyway. Mm -hmm. So. I think one, it's been nice to see him buy in, and two, it'll be it's nice to see him lose a final. Yeah, because I'm sure there'll be a bigger appetite now to play international rugby league because they'll want to get one over on New Zealand again. I think it's also coming at a perfect time for them in the sense that for the first time in a very very long time, and also the, with the Kiwis as well, they're making up some proper ground on rugby union. To yeah. the, well, I'm saying they're making up ground; they're, they're overtaken yeah. certainly in Australia. Uh, Australia the Wallabies, is the, the Wallabies are a state at the minute. Um, Nightmare, yeah. and, and they're making. I mean, they've they've, they've brought over uh, Joe Swahili, uh, Swahili, Swahili, Swahili. Swahili. 
Um, he's going to play for Australia, I think, isn't he? But I mean, but still, the NRL is very much uh, taking over. Super Rugby is a, a joke, I think, over there at this point. Uh, so the Kangaroos are, are the brand. The NRL is the brand. I think that's why they're having this focus on international. So they're going right. Well, well, strike while the iron's hot, kind of thing. Actually, we might we might be able to take the international game here. But God, over here, we've got to be proactive to that, and we're just not. We're just sitting on our ass, and we're, we're going to force because the Pacific Cup was great. That, that's yeah, the thing. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't fault Samoa. One, Samoa are absolutely right to go back over there yeah. if they're not locked into anything legal. It's our fault for not locking them in. Because why would they not want to play in that comp? It was great. I mean, the, the PNG lads, obviously, it's brilliant to see. Uh, Liam Moore and the Knicks and Port involved in that. They had mm. 14, 15,000. I mean, they had the same amount of people in Port Moresby as we had at Eddingley watching England Tonga. Exactly. Um, and it looked amazing. And just a, a brilliant to be able to watch Papua New Guinea and Fiji and Cook Islands three times uh, on consecutive weeks. And then you got two Kangaroo Kiwis games and obviously one of the most iconic internationals ever, probably, uh, with how the result ended in the final. Mm-hmm. Of course, you want to tap into the Samoan Cup. Yeah. But we knew it was coming. The NFL, it was not a surprise. I mean, I think they might got turned around in a year or so, but it wasn't a shock this was going to happen. We no. probably saw it as quite a coup that we had Tonga coming over despite the cup. Yeah. So my first thought would be, oh, should we make sure we've got the 2024 one in as well? Because it's another coup then, isn't it? To have one over yeah. while because they're not playing. There's just no forward thinking. There's just none. Absolutely no forward thinking one either. No. Is, is it just money? Is it literally that we're just that skint we can't do it? I mean, there was talk about, I mean, economy flights of, you know, like your, your Burgess is coming over, stuff like that, and your Aussie lads coming over on economy flights rather than business. And is it, is it, is it that? Is that the real difference? I don't know. But it's just, it, it's just malpractice of, of the international game. I think it really is. And it's such a shame as well because they are doing a good job with the wheelchair and they are doing a good yeah. job with the women's. And I yeah. don't understand why that's not crossing over to the men's running game I really don't I mean a crucial thing that I kind of passed a lot of people by as well I think is we've just had this historic because it is historic Tonga coming over three game series who was the headline sponsor of the test series didn't have one did we not I'm about to say I'm not 100% sure the only sponsorship I written the sponsorship on the the perimeters yeah but I think the the only sponsorship I really saw in Headingley that kind of stood out to me was uh, the post pads. I think it was Oxen. And with respect... That's not a sponsor, really. It, That'll it, just be... A, it's, it's the kit, kit partner. Kit yeah. partner, yeah. They'll probably paid a bit of extra quid, a few extra quid for that, but they weren't a title sponsor. The referees didn't have a title sponsor on their kit. Oh, we're on shirts. Betfred, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, England, England are Betfred. And I, you, I, don't, you, I, don't think, I don't think Tonga carried a sponsor over either. But, I mean, but the actual... Imagine a... An England cricket series or an England rugby union series against anyone, Autumn Internationals, whatever it is, not brought to you by. Oh, wow. I don't care who it is; it could be the smallest brand in the world, but get someone to do it, and that's just that's just laziness, is it not? The they're biggest, on BBC. They're on BBC One yeah. this Saturday. The biggest Wait. sponsorship I saw or announcement in the lead up to it, what I believe, uh, Uclan, yeah, the university as kind of a, a sponsor. And I mean, I think previously they had. I think they've previously had links with other rugby clubs as well. So it's it's not really a no but, forward thinking one for an inter- international rugby league team to be sponsored by a university, and not a big one. No, not a massive <laughs> not, not, one. Not, not a particular. It's not Oxford. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not talking. Just, just yeah. questions. What are certain people who are in roles to get sponsorships? 
what are they doing to try and push the game forward to help and bring in that extra cash? I mean, I don't hundred percent agree with how much Betfred sponsor. Uh, no, I I don't personally because it's I think basically Betfred are nothing. Well, it is. I think the entire competition, obviously, in away from internationals as well, obviously Super League right down to to League One. Uh, you've got Betfred sponsorship, the cup competition, everything basically. Credit Betfred, credit Fred Dunn. Yeah, putting that money in, I think, uh, the money went up again, and but it shouldn't be just just one sponsor. And you've got a whole sport depending on one brand. I mean, yeah. I'm not certainly not going to do because I know I've, I've got, I guess, knowledge of the industry and stuff like that, and they're not going to go bust. But um, you run that risk. You, you do run that risk when you're when you're in bed with one particular company when they've got the whole monopoly over a sport when you're reliant. Oh yeah, it's really really tough. And again, I, I, because of mine, I don't think uh, there'll be any kind of governmental. Uh, restrictions that come in to the, that would stop the the gambling sponsor either certainly not to that degree I don't, I don't envisage anything in the next kind of 10 years that would drastically change anything mm. but still not a, a really really long term approach really if we're talking 20, 30, 40 years in terms of a brand you want to be in, for, in with forever no. it, 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 it's laziness isn't it at the end of the day it's laziness I know, I know, I know the game's not got tons of eyeballs on it and loads of pull I guess but that's where you've got again. It's what I'm talking about. Being not being proactive. There's no proactivity of getting it out there. Fair enough. Brands might not be coming to you. You've got to go the other way. Yeah. You have to go the other way and say, actually, no, we're on BBC One at half two here, and there's not much else going on. And this, this is going to get some decent eyeballs here. And you can also have the wheelchair team, who are incredibly inclusive, probably the most inclusive, yeah, <laughs> probably the most inclusive international team in the world, and they're really good and they're full of character. Also, going to be on BBC. Wouldn't even cost them that much, and that's the sad thing as well. It wouldn't even really cost uh, a brand to sponsor the sponsor the test series all that much either. Um, baffling, just absolutely baffling. And yeah, <laughs> we're, we're kicking them, but I think they deserve to be kicked. And they deserve yeah, it in this, in this instance. Uh, to be honest, um, thank you to uh, Aaron Newton uh, who asked questions about this. He was talking about the Tonga series in particular. Uh, he pointed out that it was poorly attended uh, and what could be done to improve that. Uh, I did say, I thought the 15,000 at Heading there, to be fair, that was the one I attended. Uh, that was all right, actually. I, I thought yeah. that was that was fine. Um, South Stand was, if anything, it seemed a bit overfull, to be honest, when we went in. Uh, we kind of stood in the stood in the aisles and stuff to start with. I think, having looked at the pictures on the other side, I just don't think it had been stewarded correctly and actually there was a bit of gap in the gaps to the sides, but it, it felt really full, to be honest. I think that was... Uh, quite good uh, headingly. Uh, St. Ellen's, I think, was about 11,000, something like that, maybe 13. So, I'm not going to blow your socks off, but I mean, you're picking a ground like St. Ellen's, you're not going to get millions anyway because it's it's what it is. I guess the real disappointing one was Huddersfield, wasn't it? Uh, the, the, the middle test, damp, horrible day, don't get me wrong, but ultimately, for an international game, you should be selling tickets before the day anyway, so the weather yep. shouldn't impact it. And again, it's just one of those decisions where it's like Huddersfield is, what, is it 10 miles up the road from Leeds? Yeah. And they're the week after each other. And I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, me and my dad wanted to go to one of these test matches, want to see London, want to see Tonga, want to see the Sippy Tower, all that kind of stuff. Realistically, a lot of fans were going to choose one or the other and you'd choose Headingley every single day of the week uh, if you're from Yorkshire. Awesome. So why, why did Huddersfield have a test? If you're going to go to a game that's a three... It's a, a, during a three-test series, 
the best game in that three test series, if it goes that way, is the game three decider. Yes. You want that passion because ev- everybody's gunning for that win. And the... what's the best game in the state of origin every single year? It's always game three if it gets there. Game it's... three if it gets there. But because... I would say game two has that do or die yeah. situation as well, doesn't it? It does. But it's Huddersfield. It's also in a town where Huddersfield Giants don't get the best attendance. This is what I'm saying, though. I, I'm not. I'm agreeing with you there. I'm just yeah, saying it shouldn't be it Huddersfield. Have, no, it shouldn't be. It should have been somewhere else. And historically, in these three-game tests, I remember New Zealand coming over. Did they play at, what did that one at Emirates or was that one at Wembley? It was in London. Uh, I know we've taken an international game to Emirates. That was in, the semi-final against Samoa. What it? That's the one. Yeah. That's, oh, sorry, right. we sorry we played New Zealand at the London Stadium. At the London Stadium, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. I know it were in London somewhere. Yeah, I think it was twenty eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. I forget, but we did. Yeah, I think we played the maybe the first or second uh, test yeah. at the London Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So they have kind of one in Lancashire, one in Yorkshire, and then one elsewhere. Anywhere else? Anywhere <laughs> else? Anywhere else? <laughs> appeal to somebody else and not the same people over and over again. Because you get your Wigan Saints, Lee, Salford fans go to Lancashire one, Cass, Wakey, Huddersfield, Leeds, go to the Yorkshire one. And then if you want to have a bit of a trip out and go experience a new stadium, you go to the one that's on t- kind of on tour. Yep. And you you kind of appeal to some other demographic and other market. I talk about market. This series was marketed terribly. I had I had mates come to me and go on like the game day of the first game, and they turn around to me going, "I didn't even know England were on until halftime," and I flick, just flicking over onto channels, and the rub the big rugby fans and they live here <laughs> and they live in Cass. It's yeah. not like they live in Timbuktu and they haven't got access to internet and live under a rock. I did go to I did go to work that week uh, before the third test in Leeds, and I walked down Wellington Street. And I did see one six-foot billboard. So, you know. Was that week of? Yeah, it wasn't there the week before. It wasn't there the week before. <laughs> they, only, they only paid for it for that week. <laughs> so they decided, yeah, so they decided to pay for it the week oh, of so the it game. Might, it might have, been, might have been the week before the Huddersfield game, so just while it was in Yorkshire. I, they, right. didn't, they didn't have it there before the Saints game, that's for sure. Why are they not pushing this six months before? Why are they not hammering England content over and over again with... The multitude of players that are in this country that you can put in England top that you know will play. The England captain plays at Warrington. Yep. Where where are the officers of the RFL? I'm assuming they're around there. The Manchester. Oh, the Manchester. The, the, the Etihad campus, are they? Yeah, Etihad campus. Not a million miles away. No. Go down well, to the training for one ground. thing, I mean, we know because obviously um, Andy Last was telling us yeah. as a fan base. Um the England team and the England group were probably meeting up more than ever last year. They were having quite regular, yeah, fairly regular at least, at least monthly, I think, they were meeting Why? up, which means someone could go and take some content. Why are we not getting that content? Why are we not hammering week in, week out that there's this England series coming on social media? Garrett, to be fair, I didn't even hear it really mentioned on Sky. Obviously, I understand international games got BBC, but it wasn't mentioned. It wasn't mentioned. Why are we waiting until the end of the grand final to talk about the international game that's coming up like a week and a half later? 
it's, it's just an oversight, isn't it? So it's always just it's always just the, the sixth, seventh, eighth thing we think about, and it's just oh, oh, it's here. Oh. Right. The, pl- the planning in rugby league is dreadful when it comes to sort of marketing. It, it is it is the thing, particularly in the international game. I mean, generally, yeah, because I mean, I, I know. I mean, I saw your face when I mentioned the Magic Weekend thing earlier, and I've not seen you were shocked on this podcast. Oh, I, I had to hold back. I could have really gone off on that. <laughs> I've gone and looked, and yeah, the tickets are on sale, and the press release came from Leeds United, not the RFL, RFL or Super League. But you can buy a grand final ticket. Oh yeah, I've just noticed that. that. I nearly you can buy a grand final it. ticket. You, I think you can buy. I think this week I saw earlier you can buy like a twenty quid Challenge Cup final ticket if you want. But you don't know who's going to be there. You know who's going to be at Magic Week, and you know your team's playing. Can't buy a ticket for that. Why would you be? Able, why would you be? Able, why would you be able to buy a ticket for that? What, what? Uh, yeah, I saw. I saw grand final tickets were available, but not Magic Weekend. And my phone nearly got launched across the room. Yeah, the grand final. Because I really got angry at that. The grand, the grand final tickets went on sale before the third yeah, uh, England they test. And it, they were easier to buy than the. Than the yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talk about the rugby union thing and internationals and how they get it right. This is the thing where we're just a million, million, million so miles far behind. You can buy, um, I'm pretty sure you can buy tickets. You can at least know where they're playing mm. uh, for the Lions tour in 2025. Yeah. Uh, in, is it South Africa this time? Oh, I, forget, I forget where they're going. Um, but they don't even know where the coach is going to be. I mean, it's probably going to be Andy Farrell. Um, but they, they've not even announced who the coach is yet and who the players are going to be but you know exactly where they're playing in two years' time. It was the same with the World Cup. Uh, you could get tickets for the France World Cup two years ahead of time. Yeah. You know exactly who was going to play and where, uh, or at least how the draw was going to uh, was going to sit, all that kind of stuff. And we are now in a situation where as an as a, as a, as a international playing nation uh, in, in the sport we love, we do not know where England are playing next. No. And likely we're going to be playing in the next six months, but we don't know where. I think we know when. I think there is an insert. I can't remember the date. I think there is a, a gap uh, in the fixture schedule uh, that they put out today, but that wasn't really talked about either. Um, I didn't really see many people mention it. Realistically, could they have put an England fixture out today with the rest of it? You'd think yeah, so. that would have made sense. Um, it's just... And I mean, this is before we even get onto the fact that George Williams was suspended for two of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just constantly shooting themselves in the foot. Constantly. Maddening, absolutely maddening. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Aaron's question in terms of poorly attended and what could be done to improve, just take it away from Huddersfield. Should have been down south. Yeah, should, should have been, have been any, anywhere else. but there. Really, I know people mentioned like kind of Brentford. Uh, honestly, even Wimbledon or a ground like that, and it's probably a bit too small. But any of those grounds, Sellers Park, wherever you want, just take it to take it to a London ground, or even no Nottingham, Nottingham, Birmingham, wherever. It's only stadium. Yeah, if the UK's got one thing, it's stadiums. It's tons yeah. of them everywhere. It, it's, it's just show a bit of imagination there, uh, I think. Um, Tiger Towns 88 asked when we asked a few weeks ago, uh, what could slash should be done to improve the international game? I mean, we've, we've touched on a lot of that, to be fair. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know the answer beyond the initial thing should just be it, it seemed we had a calendar until 2026. If we've got a calendar and the people are going to say we've got a calendar, for the love of God, lock that calendar in and make yeah. sure that calendar can't change because clearly it can. Clearly it's a flexible calendar, which is no good to anybody. So you need at least a five-year plan and know where the game's going to be. It's the absolute bog standard, which every other sport gets right, and we just see it as a stop bother, basically. Calendar. Just get a calendar right and the rest of it will look yeah. after itself, I think. But that's, that's just... 
basics in it. It's just square one. You've so just simple. Get a calendar right. Um, a slightly different question we got was from Jack Westmoreland, uh, which is just on a slightly different topic. But he asked which kind of nation, uh, Pacific nation, I assume, uh, would benefit benefit most from an NRL team, uh, and whether we should look at something similar in the UK. In terms of looking at something similar in the UK, I think we're a long, long way off that. Uh, in terms of bringing in, um, that word expansion I guess I mean people yeah. Dublin or whatever it might be I think we're 10, 20, 30 years from uh, just dropping a team somewhere uh, from an expansion team and starting from scratch we need an awful lot more money to be doing that and I don't think I think we need to look after ourselves first and foremost to be honest and I know people don't like hearing that but we do um, in terms of nation that benefit most from the NRL team I think it's a well I don't know if he's worded it like a leading question but I, I wonder how many people who listen actually understand the situation at the minute where P&G are probably going to get a team, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, in the next two, three years. Yeah. And it seems like it's going that way. The appetite at Port Moresby seems to be huge for rugby league. Um, I know it was very well attended when England Knights went over there a few years ago. Yeah. We saw this year with the Pacific Cup. I don't quite know what the second tier one was called. Was it still Pacific uh, Cup? Pacific Bowl, I want to say. Bowl, so- that but that was well attended and got an incredible reaction and I mean the people in PNG seem rugby league mad and absolutely love these rugby league stars and hold them in the highest regard. Just look at Liam Owen's Instagram story the last month or exactly. <laughs> so. There's the there's a huge appetite there and I feel like if they're gonna grow it, that's the nation to grow it in. I feel like Tonga and Samoa would be lost a little bit, mainly because. If you're gonna bring in the Tongans and Samoans that play in this international in their international team, a lot of them are just Australians that have got. If they whisper it, but they're all from Sydney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas the Papua New Guineans yeah. are from Papua New Guinea. Yeah, they have a connection to the nation and a real passion. Obviously, you see the Sipitau and 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 these um, kind of war dancers before. International yeah. games from the Samoans and the Tongans, and they do have a lot of pride talking to sort of the Samoans that have been at Cass and stuff. They do hold a lot of pride and oh, passion yeah. for Samoa Tonga, yeah. yeah, in their sort of heritage and stuff. And but I don't know if it translate into a team as much. That's the thing; it's not dismissing the heritage by any means. It's just no. logistically doesn't it make sense. It probably doesn't. I mean, uh, I listened to the. Um... Uh, the Byron podcast with uh, with James Graham. And if anyone doesn't listen to that, if you're a rugby league fan, you absolutely should. It's brilliant. Um, it's the second best rugby league podcast in my, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> no, it might just have the jump on us. I think uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, but no, the Byron podcast is fantastic. He's been doing uh, roundtable debates recently with uh, Jason Dimitri and a bunch of uh, journalists and players and that kind of thing. And they were talking about this exact subject actually, uh, Jack and. Um, they were talking about the Samoans and Tongans within the NRL and they made the point that I think currently, and again, this is not verbatim, it's around this kind of figure. I think in the NRL currently in kind of top 30s, I think there's only 17 in the entire NRL that are actually um, kind of born and bred from the islands, mm. uh, from the Pacific. Well, it proves your point. A lot of them that they're born uh, Australian first and foremost with Samoan Tongan heritage. As you say, PNG a little bit different. PNG a little bit different. Uh, not all from Port Moresby, not all um, no. got their heritage, uh, but a lot do. Uh, Nixon Putt, for example, will be will be will be a good example. Uh, and obviously, a number have come over here in the past and uh, played over in England. It makes the most sense, I think, of the island nations and 
again, for those who don't really know the ins and outs of this, the real reasons why it's happening is the Australian is they're getting about sixty million dollars to, yeah. <laughs> to do it because uh, the Australian government really want to get pally with Papua New Guinea yeah. before Papua New Guinea sign loads of agreements with China. It's mm-hmm. it's basically a it's mad, isn't it? But like the yeah, eighteen crazy. The 18th NRL club is basically going to be a massive political pawn <laughs> in, in like the genuine like world global geopolitics. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, Papua New Guinea is for an island nation is actually quite big, really yeah. in that in that part of the world, and it's not a million miles away from China. It is between China and Australia, so it's like I assume it's kind of trade routes or whatever it might be. It's quite a crucial place. Um, so Australia really want to get the population on board, I think. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think ultimately money's going to talk there and the NRL will go, yeah, okay, we'll have them. Um, there's been discussions whether they're going to be based in Cairns, which is obviously the nearest city yeah, uh, in, in Northern Australia on, or actually based in Port Moresby. For me, I think they should, they might as well just do the whole thing and base it in Port Moresby if they can. Yeah. It's just, it's not, um, I mean, in terms of a nation, generally it, there's the elements of it that are third world, for example, it's not Australia uh, in kind of infrastructure and things like that. So I think there is concerns in terms of the like the players they could attract and various things, but you've got to start somewhere. And if anyone's going to embrace an NRL team, by God, uh, the Papua New Guineans would. Uh, I mean, you're going to you're going to get some crowds. Let's uh, put it that way. So, um, yeah, um, as a as a rugby league fan, as someone who watches a bit of the NRL, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm all for it. And I think there has been a bit of a um, well, a, a bit of debate over this whether the Papua New Guinean team would be predominantly Papua New Guinea. And I think there was a bit of concern from some fans who don't know the ins yeah. and outs that like, does that mean that Lachlan Lam and Liam Horn and Nixon Port and everyone's going to go back over and play for the, is it going to be the national team basically? I don't believe it is. It'll just be a team based in Papua yeah. New Guinea and they'll probably have more Papua New Guineans than the other teams, but it's just the team based there. It's not necessarily going to be a team through Papua New Guineans because realistically, if you threw the Papua New Guinea national side in the NRL, they'd come bottom and they just, they just would. And that's just, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so it would be a, a just a, just a franchise uh, based there, but um, pretty exciting, I think. I definitely think they'll want there'll be a desire to make it majority of Papua New Guinea Guinean players because that will only make the international team stronger playing week in week out against these top top stars and these top teams within the NRL. Yeah. Um, in rugby union, Super Rugby, obviously they did something similar. They expanded with the uh, Fijian Drua. And the other team, which is oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a, like made up of Pacific Islanders, so yeah. Samoans, Tongans mainly. Um, and they, the big hope in that was to improve the international game, especially for Samoa, Tonga, Fiji. Yeah. So there's clearly a desire in that side of the world to to grow it into the, these nations, with a hope that the international game is only going to get stronger. And that's it. That that's the side product of this, isn't it? Hopefully, this really does grow the international game. And like you say, we, you, you just hope that they've listened to the last 45 minutes and, <laughs> and England are happy to can actually get on those coattails and actually get involved before we we are left far too far too far behind. I mean, we have, we have to go one of two ways. We have to really embed ourselves with the Pacific nations, with Australia, with New Zealand, get involved in some kind of competition or at least get regular games sorted. The other approach, which is a lot more painful, uh, but a lot more long-term, is you really invest in Europe and you're really investing in, in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, France, Italy. You're probably for Lebanon in there as well, although obviously they'll be mostly Australian-based. Greece, 
various other teams and you you really start to grow that because no growth has been done there let's be honest yeah. they have not really tried as you said there was meant to be a European Cup which would have probably had the England Knights or whatever all the, the similar playing Scotland and Wales that just just disappeared just, just didn't happen um, so yeah I mean, the, the other approach is you really try and bro- grow the English game and try and create a Six Nations and well, you might, it might take 20-30 years you know what I mean so it's it's tough but it's a tough situation but there are definitely little things that they just need to get right instantly uh, or it's it's just a car crash isn't it there's so much we need to do domestically within sort of Europe before we even look yes. specific wise because it, it's it's a crime that sort of Wales, Ireland, Scotland, Italy, sort of those nations only basically play every four years when a World Cup rocks round. Yeah, and then you wonder why they don't win a game. Yeah. So, because if, if they've got a proper competition, even if it's a European Cup, a Six Nations, however you want to kind of brand it or kind of put it together, yeah, you'll get the, yes, you'll get the fringe England players moving over to these nations because they play more regular rugby. Yeah. So they're going to be a better team for it if they're playing more regular because... And that's it. And you can obviously take the Australian approach of regarding them as a tier two, tier three nation so they can play for dual nationalities. Yeah. I think that's fine. You just you, you allow that to happen while they grow, don't you? Yeah. And that only grows the sport and grows that, that as a product anyway because you're going to get better quality of rugby league. I mean, yeah. I remember when it was... I mean... He's played for three nations now, but Tyson Frizzell played for Wales. Yep. When they were playing more regular rugby, I believe it were in a four nations, I want to say, when Wales qualified for it. It, was early. it might have even been World Cup, to be fair. It might have been 2013. It was, oh, a, long it was time a long ago. time ago. It might have been the World Cup 2013, yeah. But like Lock and Coop played for Scotland. Yeah. Like, there's multiple examples of NRL players showing oh, real willingness or good players. Showing, uh, Luke Carey came over to play for Ireland in the World Cup this year. Um, potentially, I, I heard, um, I think it was on 4020, I was listening to about that. And it was probably at personal cost to Luke Carey to come over and do that. He certainly wasn't earning any money for it, but just wanted to... Uh, he had Irish grandparents, whatever it might be, or Irish heritage, and wanted to represent them at those colours and that. There is, there is That's still there. You know what I mean? The people want to represent the families and their ancestry and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Just give them an opportunity. Give yeah. them something they can latch onto, and they will. And this is the thing. We'll end up with those bigger Australian names. Yes, there might be towards the end of the career, potentially, yeah. might be looking for a job over in England to kind of finish the career off, but it'll help them get the visa if they're playing international rugby yeah. as well. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So we might be able to attract some more stars or some more up-and-coming players if there's some younger guys that want to represent kind of their heritage or have moved over to Australia and born in Scotland, Island, Wales. You I never know. Absolutely, as well, as particularly in the state rugby union's in, I'd be reaching out to rugby union players absolutely in, the, in those kind of Celtic nations, where it's massive. I mean, I, I mean Ireland, are, I know they're not the world champions, but the right up there is probably one of the great, well, probably top two in the world at the minute in terms of a, a rugby playing nation. Like, they can't all play for the first 15, can they? <laughs> you know, so like the, the, the fringe players of even rugby union. Exactly. And if you're looking at expansion within rugby league, especially within Super League, yep. take the international game is the easiest one to gauge yep. appetite. Hundred percent. Take these European Cups, Six Nation games. Go and play them in Dublin. Go and play them in Edinburgh. Go yeah. and play them in Cardiff. And do you know what? This is where patience comes in as well. I don't care if only two thousand turn up. Go back. No. 
I don't care if only 3,000 turn up the next year. It's improvement. You keep yeah. going. You can't just... We was too quick to just do yeah. something twice and then go, oh, that's not worked. Yeah. No, because you can't build an international yeah. sport, basically, from ground up in two years. You can't do it. It takes 10, 15, 20. Tonga were nowhere... Tonga were nothing 20 years ago. No. And no. They've done exactly this, what we're talking about. Exactly. It, it wasn't until you, Jason Tom Lowe's of the world, went, actually, no, do you know what? I am going to represent my heritage. The Feeters were one of the two. Yeah. Uh, one of the first to really do it. And it was... Massive, and look where it is now. Huge. Look where it is now. The Samoan Cup's massive. And it, uh, the Pacific Cup, sorry, is massive. And it doesn't need us going to... When we say go to Cardiff, go to Dublin, go to Glasgow, we're not talking about going to Aviva Stadium. No. We're not talking about going to, to Millennium Stadium or whatever it's called nowadays. Go to these clubs that will have decent stadiums. There is rugby union teams in that area that will have a smaller stadium mm-hmm. that will be able to be filled and look nice on TV. Yeah. Because I feel like doing the games is one thing. Showing them to a bigger audience on TV is the yeah. other. You need to get the buy-in from people sat at home as and well. The thing, is, the thing is, as well, particularly in the UK, I mean, you go, obviously, like you say, whether it be Glasgow, Dublin, wherever it might be, Cardiff, or even if it's, just, if it's Swansea, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Any of these cities we're never, we're never at. They've got skyboxes. 100%. They, they, they see Super League. They're, they're not... They're not it's not like they've never seen that sport that's like on main event every week. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like people are aware of it. it I watch it every week, but they're aware of it. They'll have and seen again, it. Again, it comes back to marketing. It's got to be marketed relatively well. It needs a bit of a budget, which again, but this is, again, this is the bugbear. This is the kind of thing IMG, I would want to be put, uh, yeah. putting health this kind of stuff because this is massive and this is where the opportunity is. It needs that initial money, don't get me wrong, but you're quite right. I mean, if you're IMG and you're looking at a 12-year project and 25 years, whatever it is, uh, the, the future, the 50 years, the proper future of this yeah. game, they want to grow it as a, UK, a proper UK sport. In 50 years' time, you'd want a team in Cardiff, you want a team in Glasgow, you want a team in Edinburgh, you want a team in Dublin. Of course yeah. you would. You want a team in Barcelona. Yeah. You, that Obviously, you want to do that. And you're quite right. The best way to do that initially, to put that first kind of footstep in there, is to have Scotland versus Ireland. Because even people who have only ever watched one rugby game ever, they don't know how what the quality is going to be like. No. But if you market it as Scotland versus Ireland, and they'll go, oh, which is okay. always a and that's fifteen and that's fifteen quid to turn up, is it? Oh, okay. And they might take the they might take a couple, people. and if only a couple of thousand turn up, they'll enjoy it. Yeah, that, that's crucial. That might it might only be two thousand, so most people go, ah, what's, what's the point? But that's two thousand people who enjoy it and will go back, and then they'll get a skybox. Or this new streaming service because they're like, oh, well, I actually I really like the sport. I watch it because that's ultimately the one thing rugby league's always had that's not talked about enough. Really, the product's good. <laughs> this would be so much harder. That's why it's so frustrating. This would be so much harder if the product was really bad. It's not. <laughs> it's an exciting product, and that's what's the real frustration comes from that they just don't capitalize on it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think. To answer the, we've gone obviously around the houses a oh. lot on this podcast completely, but yeah, in terms of doing something similar, I, I initially said about twenty minutes ago, no, we shouldn't. I disagree <laughs> with myself. I think actually, long term, yeah, we should. Uh, we we should be looking at these, uh, the European nations. We should be looking at these cities and just putting just putting stuff in there and just seeing what sticks, but also just sticking with it. Yeah, um, I'm glad I changed your mind. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you did too. I'm glad you did too. But it, it is the blueprint, isn't it? It's just following that Pacific blueprint in a different, in a different continent. And why not? It's worked there. Why couldn't it work here? 
Um, we have wittered on, <laughs> but I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, we basically what we wanted to do this podcast because we basically had this conversation or part of this conversation after the record of our last episode. We did. Um, but we'd already stopped recording. <laughs> so we, we we got like 40 minutes into a chat and went, that would have been really good. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this has been just as good. And we've, we've certainly had our moan at the RFL and our commercial and everyone that would listen. Um, we've gone through Castleford's fixtures, obviously, um, for the 2024 season, which got me a little bit excited this morning. It is always nice to see the graphic at the very least. And we all of us bugbears of it, but personally, I'm really happy I can go to the 12 or the 13 home games. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really chuffed. Um, and Magic Week would have had a say as well. It's been a very wide ranging pod, but I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too. I know we, we accompany people on their commutes and things like that. Uh, it's been quite a long one, but I hope you've enjoyed the various rants we've had in, in the last hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we need to apologise. If, if they don't like it, they can turn off, Adam. Um, have you enjoyed it? Absolutely. I always like having a bit of a rant and talk about rugby league. So absolutely a perfect avenue to do it, and especially with you, my friend. That means a lot. Thank you very, very much. I do enjoy it myself. Uh, we did get a couple more questions through uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, we had one on, uh, believe it, our, our general thoughts on IMG. I think I think we've covered a fair bit of that. Uh, to be fair, and we just continue to we will continue to we'll do so, and also we have previously as well. Uh, and uh, I know Matthew Sutton asked for our league table predictions. Um, just have some patience. I think February uh, we'll do that the week of. I would imagine the first game we're we're going to do previews of all the clubs. Uh, going into the season, we've got quite a few things uh, lined up uh, in the next in the next few weeks. Obviously, we lead to Christmas, and obviously after Christmas has gone, we'll be very much into preseason uh, and the season itself. So yeah, if you wait, if you're waiting for league table predictions, that'd be about February. I would have thought just yeah. before the Wigan game. Um, yeah, keep an eye out. There's some good things coming soon. There's potentially quite a nice thing in a few days, and I'll leave it at that, <laughs> which we've already recorded. So. Hopefully that'll be that'll be a nice accompaniment to something for you. Um, but yeah, uh, enjoy your weekend. Hope you enjoy this chat, and uh, we'll see you soon. Coif. <laughs>